This morning we are coming to the third and final portion of the, um, the theme for this year. And as we come to this point, uh, I hope that this has not just been an exercise of, for you of um, who we are, what we are, but something that you'll take with you this year. As you might remember, or if this is your first time of seeing this, uh, reaching souls and building lives in love was um, what we've had as our theme. And we added the word together. And as we have done so, we saw that on the first week of this, that the most important thing was together in the gospel. That we kept our focus on the mission that Christ has set before us, indeed Christ's mission. And that, that was in, in, of uttermost importance to us. And we saw that GBF must continue and participate in the gospel uh, work. We must together make it our priority. And together starts with us individually as we engage in this gospel work each day as God brings people in our lives as we go out and pursue others, whether it be work or school or hobbies, coffee, whatever it may be. Together also is us individuals going and cooperating with each other and encouraging each other in the gospel work. So we saw that together in the gospel was so important, and it is the primary thing. We also saw last week that we are to be gathered in unity, together in unity. We saw that the fellowship of the Spirit brings unity that is marked by selflessness and humility. And that God indeed is in doing a work in our body, indeed His church. And so our unity it must, be, must be seen, unity of mind, unity of love. A unity of spirit, to be one sold together, and unity of purpose. These things are so important. Unity is not uniformity. We must understand that the diversity that God brings in our body strengthens our unity. And that as we have different backgrounds, different walks of life, all this comes together to, to weave that beautiful ta- tapestry that God is doing in His church locally and indeed around the world. And so we saw that we must prioritize for unity. The glory and gospel of Jesus Christ must be our first priority. But also our personal walk. Our personal walk is so important that we maintain. It's hard to be loving kind if we're not walking with God. It is the work of God's Spirit in our hearts and lives that, that changes us. And also our love for others. So important that we emphasize others. And our participation in the gospel work and in ministry and service with other believers. So together in the gospel, together in unity, and this morning, together in family. Together in family. What kind of church do you want to go to? Well, you're here this morning. I'm assuming you wanted to come this morning. Um, Well, what kind of of church do you, you value, you want to go to? What kind of people do you want to associate with? Let's look at Romans 12, and we'll continue a passage that we started last week. And delve into this this morning. We have a lot going this morning. Uh, This morning we're going to look at this. We're also going to uh, share in the Lord's table, which is a very profound act of sharing together. But before we do that, we're going to commission our deacons and pray for them this year. And then they're going to serve us uh, for the Lord's Supper. All of this is working together for this theme of family, of what God is doing. You know... Last week we looked in the first part of of Romans 12 and we saw that we are one in Christ and indeed we are one with each other. So let's pick up our reading in verse 9 of Romans and see what else that Paul has 
uh, for the, the believers there as he's writing this letter. First John chapter 12. He says, let love be without hypocrisy. Let love be without hypocrisy. Wow, that's the imperative here that's coming from, from it's understood in this. It's command is let love be genuine and sincere, not two-faced. Love is genuine and sincere, but look what next. Abhor and hate with extreme prejudice what is evil. Abhor, hate those evil things, the wicked, the immoral, immoral things of the world. But then cling tightly, bind yourself to that which is good. Verse 10, be devoted, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Now notice that word, brotherly. See, we have a bit of familial understanding that Paul is using to illustrate what the church should be. To be devoted to one another in brotherly love and give preference to one another in honor. Honoring one another, we give preference to the other person. And that's... Uh, that is opposite of what we hear. Uh, every commercial is uh, seemingly saying that we deserve something. You deserve this. A great day, a Big Mac, a washer and dryer. Whatever it is, you deserve it, right? And so you go buy it. Well, he says here, give preference to one another. Devoted. It's on the other person. It's loving the other person. And verse 11 kind of compounds this. Not lagging behind in diligence. So working at this. Fervent, zealous in spirit. Zealous in spirit. Serving the Lord. You notice that our familiar relationship as we love and serve one another is unto the Lord. It is service to God as we serve others. How we serve others is reflective of our service to God. As 1 John tells us, we can't say that we love God and we don't love our brother and sister in Christ. No. That isn't it. Verse 12, rejoicing in hope. This really speaks of how we, we look not only at the Christian life and the hope that is in others and, I, and the hope that is within us. We persevere in tribulation. We're devoted to prayer. 13, contributing to the needs of the saints and practicing hospitality. Notice the family work that's going on together, contributing to the needs of others. Practicing hospitality. It's interesting that one of the characteristics for an overseer or a pastor is that he must be hospitable. He must open his home. Conviction. Fortunately, God's given me a, a wonderful wife who helps me remember. Because we pastors sometimes want to lock ourselves in offices and study and then rush to the pulpit and then go back to the office. And that is not what God is trying to portray here. Yes, we, and we'll see in, in a passage later on, we need to be, pastors need to be uh, studying. But this is part of, a wonderful part of the responsibility and a wonderful part of the responsibility for every believer in Christ to reach out, to care for each other. It's interesting when God prompts us to do that. Sometimes we have no idea what's going on in that person's life. When you say, hey, come over. Remember the, the days of old when we didn't have much but popcorn? We would go to 
friends' houses or trailers, and we'd sit on milk crates and eat popcorn together. Those were some great days of early marriage. And we didn't have much to, uh, to call our own, but what we had, we shared with others. And, and we had so many wonderful couples that, uh, that we did that with. And uh, that would take us in and, and, and feed us. It didn't have to be fancy. It was a fellowship, spiritual fellowship, and serving one another. And so you say, well, Stacy, how does this all come together? Well, we, we understood at the very beginning that it was the word koinonia that was driving this idea of together because you cannot do koinonia really much by yourself and be very effective. And we noticed that, that the words that were uh, instrumental in the koinonia was this idea of sharing, of contribution, of participation, and then, indeed, the, the largest area was fellowship. And so as we relate this to family, we see that family, in the body of Christ, we are to be sharing, participating, showing hospitality, caring. These are important things. These are not, just not asides. Oh, by the way, if I have time, these are, as we say, front of mind ideas that bring us together as a family of Christ, in Christ. See, Paul uses this idea of family and this idea of body to relate how the church is supposed to relate to each other and to, to, to enjoy each one's com- company and to strengthen one another, edify one another, and to serve one another and to care for one another. And this family, this participation, is so important of caring, and the, indeed, these are the, 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 the actions of a well-adjusted, godly human family. This happens. It should be happening. So together as family, let's just look a few highlights for us. Number one, together as family. Uh, for families that love each other, there's something intangible. Something intangible there when they were together. Yes, it's love, uh, but it, it sometimes can be communicated by the word warmth. Wow, just, there's a warmth there. And I feel as though, a little bit like Apostle Paul when he tells the church to, to excel, excel still more and more in love, but I love to hear when someone walks in for the first time to Grace Baptist Fellowship and say, I was welcome. There's, there's a warmth there. There's a care for there. They're, they're not serving themselves. They're looking out for others. And so a family has warmth. A family is there together in warmth. Whoops. There we go. Ah, there we go. Slides. Touch screens. You've got to love them. It's interesting. In the body of Christ, there are warm intergenerational relationships. Um, there's a book called Growing Young, which is uh, several authors, Kara Powell is one of them, and they are cataloging churches in the U.S. and in Canada that have a young population of 18 to 29-year-olds. They're growing in that. And so they entitled the book Growing Young, but they said one of the fundamental things uh, outside of doctrine are these churches, and there are large churches, small churches, uh, different denominations of Orthodox faith. Uh, these churches are characterized what, by what their interviewees say was a warmth, welcoming, uh, a feeling of accepting, of belongings, of authenticity, of hospitableness, and of caring. They call this in the book the warmth cluster. 
And then notice that this is found in human families, but also in a church family. And in the human family, the, the responsibility falls upon the parents to set the tone. And I would say in a, in a, a family that is the church, it falls primarily, first of all, let's say first of all, not primarily, first of all, on those who are more mature believers to set the tone of warmth and care. And then those who come along and grow in Christ are to reciprocate that and begin themselves to develop this warmth. And it's interesting, though, as people come into our body, as we've had people come who may be new Christians or maybe yet unbelievers, they are attracted first to relationships. And you see that relationships form first, and then there's formation of faith and work in their life. There's a first of belonging, and then there's belief, there's faith that comes because someone took the care and the time enough to them to spend time to show them God's love, to show them Jesus, and to speak to them about the grace that it is through Christ. And that is so important. To be as a family and to welcome people in, knowing that they are maybe yet in sin, as we were in sin, but yet they are the image of God created in His image, and so we love them and show them the great mercy and grace that Jesus has shown us. That is so important. In fact, uh, as they quote one theologian, in the book, and they said, um, he says, we're, the church doesn't mean we meet occasionally or weekly or that we cooperate on a current project. Instead, we actually become part of one another. And this sounds very familiar, like Paul's exhortation that each member belong to all the others, Romans twelve five, so that we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. What a wonderful thing for believers who understand their oneness in Christ is also a oneness with everyone whom they come in contact with, other believers. You see, also a quote from the book, warmth isn't generated through being simply being polite. It's by our de- definition from the young people themselves, the qualities of a warm church include authenticity, hospitality, caring, welcoming, accepting, and belonging. So we as a body should, should demonstrate what any family should demonstrate and do so within the church. And let it spill over from, our, from the body, from the church, and spill over into others in our community. Together as family includes warmth. Also, together as family means that everyone matters. Everyone matters. See, to take a very simple principle, and one that we have begun with, it is for us sometimes to think that those who are fully formed adults are the ones who really matter. And that kind of leads to a philosophy where those who are not, quote-unquote, fully formed adults, they, you just kind of park them somewhere. And even from our earliest ages, our children's ministry is not a parking lot. As we work with middle school, teenage, as we continue, they're not just places to put people while we do church. They are indeed a part of the body of Christ. And so as we sit here, as we speak with each other, as we sing and we encourage every age, old and young, everyone matters. From the young to those who, who may be in the later stages of the, their life and 
and they need our care. Or that person who comes in and no matter the age is struggling with sin or with hurt or with physical pain, everyone matters. There is not a situation that you can call out to say, well, that person doesn't matter. That is opposite of what God says, 1 Corinthians 12, 25, and 26. So that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Loss of family members, loss of life, even this weekend. We weep with those who weep. We lift them up in prayer. We offer to help in any way. Sometimes it's just being there. Uh, we all, all often think that we have to say something. And sometimes it's just being there. In the time of grief or pain, that's the most important. And then rejoicing selflessly with those who God has blessed. Not a jealousy. There it is. There's empathy. There's no territorial squabbles. There's no jealousy. We suffer. We honor each other. Because everyone matters in God's eyes. But the thing that wraps it together for us is this intentionality piece. And that's a word that we use a lot around here. It doesn't happen by accident. And sometimes you have to schedule it in your day planner or in your phone or your computer. There are often uh, what we have come to know as divine appointments in our lives where God places somebody in our life and it wasn't on the calendar. So you don't move them aside because they're not on the calendar. But I would encourage you to make provision to place people on the calendar. I will. I don't know that person. Let's, hey, next week you want to get a coffee. Let's all get burgers, whatever it is. But there's this idea of intentionality. Not waiting, making it your responsibility in the body of Christ. You know, obligation distractions will always be there in front of us. I don't care what your age is. I don't care where you are in life. There's always going to be something that's pressing. Um, The tyranny of the urgent sometimes obscures our, our sight of other people. And so intentionality is so important. Easy to say school is God's will for me right now. I can't reach out to others or work. He wants me to do excellent work, and he does. That is your platform. Uh, I listened to a podcast this week of a, a top hedge fund manager. You know, those people that make lots of money. And he was talking about his intentionality now in his 60s of how he meets with uh, young executives, uh, believers and unbelievers, to witness, to, to mentor them, to care for them. And he's probably busier than all of us combined. And that's a priority for him. And this was, you know, we have to be intentional, and it's not just right here on a Sunday morning at 1045 and 430 in the afternoon. Um, Hebrews 10, 23 and 25 isn't just fulfilled on a Sunday. Remember that, that part? Let us hold fast the confession of our faith without wavering. For he who is promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together as a habit of some is, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. 
That isn't just on Sunday. It's every day of the week. Intentionality. One thing that um, Julie mentioned to us, and I've used this and have read further research on this um, in the last year or so, uh, the studies have shown that for young people to continue in the faith, most likely in their lives there have been five other adults in the church that have taken an interest in them other than their parents. Five other adults have been willing to go to their games, to, to, to ask them about what things are going on, to involve themselves in their lives. Now let's take this. That's youth. What about the, the, the middle-aged, like me, believer who comes in or unbeliever who walks in the door? Five people in their lives influence them for Christ. See, everyone who walks in is a gift from God. And as we as a family love each other, but if we only love each other, we're not completely fulfilling together in the gospel. So our love for each other must spill over because Jesus said, all men will know that you're my disciples because you have love one for another. That love must spill over. That love must grow to everyone we come in contact with. You must do so with intentionality. You know, you may be here this morning, you may not be a follower of Christ, and I'll let you know that while we may not always execute this togetherness in the way that we should, we do desire that you see Jesus through us. Um, there is no, other import, no more important thing in this idea and concept of togetherness is that, that Jesus shine through all of this. That Jesus is magnified and glorified. That we reflect him, not ourselves. And so if you're here this morning without Christ, and you say, I, I would love to have a family like that. First step is Jesus Christ. Because of all of us who know him in this room, there was a time when we were made aware of our sins, the consequence of our sin, and we repented and turned to Christ and trusted his great sacrifice for us. We saw that he was enough. Christ was enough to meet our every need to pay our sin debt. We were gloriously saved by grace through faith. And we would love that for you. And believers, it is your life that magnifies, that reflects Christ. It is your life that reaches souls and building, builds lives together. I want to urge you, how can you today, this week, this year, leverage together for the cause of Jesus Christ? It's not about having a warm, fuzzy feeling. It's not about people saying, oh, we're a nice church. You're a friendly church. It's about Jesus Christ. It's about his glory shown to the nations. Let's bow for prayer. Gracious God, by your mercy and by your power, we thank you that you have brought to us great and mighty words of salvation through Jesus. And so we praise you that you might, by your grace, be seen through us. Oh God, we thank you that you have given each one of us together the opportunity to minister to each other, to love each other. May we be as a family. May you be glorified. And Father, may all men see 
who you are through us. And may you be glorified. For it's in Christ I pray. Amen.